Hey, as we've been uh, continuing our series in renewal, Pastor Mark and his uh, lovely wife, Shannon, are getting some renewal of their own. They are on a uh, 50th birthday cruise that they, she arranged for Mark, and so they're enjoying that today and probably having a lot nicer weather than what we've experienced the last couple of days. But uh, so, so uh, thankful and proud to introduce our speaker for today. Bob Moss has been a, a lifelong friend of Meadow Park Church and, of course, has been involved in the Church of God, has pastored several churches that have been powerful in the movement, and he's been a friend to me and a mentor. And especially, if you would rec- uh, might remember, he preached for us quite a bit during the interim period when we were looking for a pastor. And so it's so good to have Bob back with us today, and he's going to be sharing with us as we continue in our series with Renew. So would you welcome Bob Moss today? Thank you so much, Roger. It's so good to see you again. It's been a long time. I can't believe I was looking back. It was seven years ago right now that I was preaching here as your interim. Um, and you can notice I haven't sprouted any new hair since then. So <laughs> here we are. But uh, we praise the Lord for the Meadow Park Church and all that you're doing. And I had the joy of being on as an external uh, board member, a non-resident board member here with uh, you, so I see in the, in the congregation some very familiar faces today. So it does feel like coming home here to Meadow Park. I appreciate you all very much. Now, you know, I am a son of Ohio, and today's a proud day to be the son of Ohio with a 10-0 and 0 football team. And I just want you to know that while I live in Indiana, I don't want you to send me home to Indiana feeling like our other Hoosiers went home yesterday, right? So I wanted to make that sure, sure for you. My, my wife uh, did not come with me. Renee sends her greetings. She sent me a picture out our back patio window of a full foot of snow on the, on the is that a foot? I don't know. But there's a foot of snow on the, on the deck. So... I'll uh, be plowing my way back home <laughs> this afternoon. It's, it's really a, a great, great feeling of homecoming. And, you know, I was thinking about the history of this church and the fact that all of the pastors since this church was founded in 1966, when I was a kid, uh, all of the pastors have been important people in my life. And uh, that's a very special thing to, to know that I'm standing where some really great people have stood before me. Today, um, it's my privilege to talk with you and day 37 of this 50-day experience, uh, renew our legacy. That's when they call in the older pastors, you know, well, to renew our legacy. Um, you know, I've logged in 45 years now as a, as a pastor in the Church of God, so I guess I qualify as one of the older pastors. But when we think about legacy, it's a very important subject. So let me frame this message today. First, what it's not, and then what it is. So what this is not today is not an evangelistic message for non-believers. So if you, have, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I hope you'll listen carefully because I'm going to be talking a lot about the family of God today. The second thing that this is not is not a biblical exposition of taking a passage of Scripture and going phrase by phrase in a biblical exposition. But what this message is today 
It's an encouragement to the believers at Meadow Park Church of God. And I believe that this message will have some import for you as you think about your legacy. I've had a couple of legacy moments this fall that I want to tell you about. The first was in September when I was called to Hope Community Church where I, w I served as a transitional pastor. And the young pastor there, Nathaniel Lyon, asked me if I would come as a, his guest and conduct the baby dedication of their young son, Simon. Now, that was a very, very significant moment for me because, you see, when Pastor Nathaniel was a baby, I dedicated him. And so it was a very special moment to see, you know, that the, the one who followed me in that pulpit is someone that, that I personally dedicated. It kind of, kind of felt like the Lion King or something, you know, just, I mean, just that sense of, uh, that sense of legacy. The second thing happened in the month of October. Last month, I was at First Church in St. Joe, where, where we now worship. I used to be the senior pastor there for many years, and uh, Pastor David Culp has rolled out the red carpet for us to be a part of that congregation. And I was sitting there as Pastor Brian Spitters came as a guest pastor from Battle Creek and preached an amazing message. And you see, Brian Spitters was the son of our youth pastor. We knew him from birth all the way through, and we see him now around the age 30 in a dynamic ministry. And so for me, as I look at the lives of people like that, there's this sense of legacy, this sense of our lives impact the lives of others. In the, I say our lives, meaning the community of faith impacts the lives of others. Now, the Bible is chock full of examples of that. Why, you can talk about the, the leadership transition from Moses to Joshua. You can look at the, the leadership transition from Elijah to Elisha. Or you can read Paul, what he had to say to his young mentor, Timothy. But you also see the legacy of changed lives that we still celebrate today. You see people like impetuous Peter, who when he was filled with the Holy Spirit became a totally different kind of apostle. You see the story of Matthew, the tax collector, who struggled through his faith. And by the way, I love the way he is portrayed in The Chosen as one who really struggled in developing his faith and yet became the great author of the Gospel of Matthew. We see the, the story of Mary of Magdalene, who was known to be a prostitute, who was filled with the Spirit and became the first ambassador, the first proclaimer of the resurrected Jesus on resurrection morning. You see all of those beautiful examples of a legacy. When we think about legacy, I take you back about 15 years and the general director of the Church of God, Dr. Ron Duncan, was, I was the chair of the General Assembly at the time, and so we had a lot of times to work together. And he asked me one day when we were working on a, on a subject together, he said, so Bob, what do you want your legacy to be? <laughs> I said, Ron, it seems a little presumptuous to ask that kind of a question. What do you want your, and he said, no, it's not presumptuous at all. The point is, we're all going to be remembered for something. And you get to choose what you'll be remembered by. 
And so that's the title of our, of our message today and an introduction to it. But I want to take you back to the original scripture that we've been reviewing in these weeks. I watched uh, some of your services and I love this passage from Isaiah 43. Pastor Mark had you reading it in unison last week, so let's do that again, will you? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. I'm so glad I have these slides on my phone. Because I, 30 years ago, I could have read that fine back there. But today, in case you're wondering what I'm doing, that's what I'm doing. So now I'm showing off and I turned it. Okay, there. So I, wa I want you to understand that this whole message about legacy is not that we ignore the past. We acknowledge the past, but we look to the future. Because if we don't understand our history, we don't understand our future. Because so many things in our personal lives, as well in the life of our church, our past has shaped us. Our experiences, our joys, our sorrows, the tragedies, and the triumphs of our life all serve to shape us. And so it is with a congregation. The psalmist David wrote about that. He wrote about how God's people will recognize the ways of God. And that's what I want you to do today as we take this little journey together. So I take you to Psalm 145, and this is a beautiful verse. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. In fact, such a powerful word, and you did so well reading in unison that I think uh, we should do this verse in unison as well. Will you read it with me? One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. This is what the psalmist was saying. You have been faithful, O God, to us in the past, and we believe you have for us a future that is greater than we could possibly imagine. Paul writes about that in the closing of his prayer in his letter to the Ephesians. He writes in chapter 3, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than what? Than all we ask or imagine. To him be glory in Christ Jesus and throughout all generations. So today we're focused on the generations, and I want you to think with me about the fact that as we celebrate the past, sometimes we have a sense that we're on a great escalator, if you will, and that each day we move a little closer to the top, and we can see beyond the horizon. When you're on a tall escalator, you look into the top, and all you see is ceiling tiles up there. If you're at an airport or at a department store, but as the escalator rises, you begin to see a view emerge. My mother's 89, and in the last year, since she had a very major surgery, and she sprung back pretty well, but my mother talks more about heaven these days than she did before, because she's beginning to see up to the top of the escalator. 
And those of us who are in our 60s have the privilege sometimes, especially if we're still active in ministry, to look back down the escalator and realize there's a generation coming behind us and to look ahead and realize there's a generation disappearing from our sight as they step off that escalator. I know it's kind of a bad metaphor, but it's the best I have for right now. There are three truths that our, that our scripture speaks about when we think about legacy, and I want to share these three truths with you. Truth number one. Oh, let me back up, because I'm glad I had this on my phone. It's been my habit to create a sermon in a sentence so that you know where I'm going. And when I prepare, that's what I always do, is I always start, how do I say what I want to say in one sentence? It has to be one sentence. It takes a little work. But I heard when I was being prepared to be a preacher, listen, a mist in the pulpit creates a fog in the pews. <laughs> All right? So be clear. What are you trying to say? So let's take a look. We have been the recipients of God's faithfulness throughout the generations. And now the time has come to join the Lord in fulfilling the plans that he has for us next. Let's take a look at what I mean by that. Truth number one. When we think about legacy, you already have a personal legacy. I have one, and you have one. The fact is, your legacy is not written after you are gone. It's written every day of your life. I have come to believe in the more-so theory. Here's how the more-so theory works. If you're a jerk when you're young, you'll be more-so as an old person. <laughs> but... But if you are kind and compassionate and caring and encouraging and affirming, you'll be more so as the years go by. We write a legacy every day of our life, and we get to choose. You know, when I think about a legacy and how we develop that, here's some things that have helped me, and I maybe will encourage you. The first is, when we realize that this is not our permanent home. It helps us in how we live. About 20 years ago, I was challenged to write a, a descriptor of who I really am. Who are you really? What do you believe about your life? And I want to share it with you because it's actually become something that is so ingrained in me. It's a front and center concept in my life. And here it is. I wrote it on a, I used to have it on a post-it note above my desk, but I don't need the post-it note anymore, but here it is. I am a citizen of heaven, here on temporary assignment. That has defined my whole life. It has helped me make my choices. It has helped me figure out what my priorities are. I am a citizen of heaven here on temporary assignment. So while I'm no longer past actively pastoring, my ministry today is working with interim pastors. I recruit and our organization trains interim pastors and we tell churches who are between pastors that we have a way to help you 
with what we call TIPS, Transitional Interim Pastor Services, and we can help you get healthier as a church during the time between pastors. And we have a whole army of, of older ministers who have a tr track record, a proven track record, and they're encouraging these churches. So that's my ministry today, and I love it. I love it, and I feel that it gives me focus as a citizen of heaven here on temporary assignment. So when we think about being a citizen of heaven, we also begin to think about and look how God has been faithful to me through the years. You see, when you focus in thanksgiving, when you focus on God's faithfulness, it helps you to not be a complainer. Now, the other day I had a conversation with my wife. And I said to her, these are almost verbatim words. I said, Renee, all through our pastoral ministry, we had to bear up under particularly older people who always would do three things, criticize, condemn, and complain. And I said, now as I'm closer to 70 than I am to 60, I want to say I'm not signing up for the club. We, we have a friend who is 97. And sometimes she'll just call to encourage. To, and she calls pastors. And she encourages and blesses and, and lifts people up. And I keep saying to Renee, I want to be like her when I grow up. I want to be that kind of a person. Not to criticize, condemn, and complain, because that's the ways of the world. That's not the language of the citizens of heaven. Amen? And so each of us has to discipline ourselves. Hey, listen, I'm talking to a group of people post-election. And so now we all have a choice to make about whether or not we are snarky about what we did win or what we didn't win. We can make snarky comments either way. You know, sarcastic, condescending comments about another party or about people who voted a certain way. It, it's not becoming of the body of Christ. So let us choose to remember who we are. We're building a legacy with every Facebook post we make. We're building a legacy with every word we speak. We're building a legacy through every action that we take. So we must remember what our legacy really is. You, we all have a personal legacy. Let's go to the second truth. The second truth is your church has a legacy. Every congregation of believers is known for something. Now, because the Lord's given me the opportunity to be a state minister in Indiana a number of years ago and to work through the national office for a number of years, I've had the opportunity to interface with lots of congregations in my life. And I find out that what I'm just saying is, as a truth is really true. It's not just my opinion. There are others in this room who could uh, attest to the veracity of this fact that every congregation is known for something. Some congregations are known for encouraging and building up their pastors. 
Some congregations are known for criticizing and tearing down their pastors, as most obviously evident in a string of short two- or three-year pastorates, you know. Uh, some congregations are extremely focused on the community around them and serving the community. And other congregations, I'm telling you the truth, see themselves as a sacred bastion against the world outside and protectors of the truth. And one last thing I'll say is I grew up in a congregation in Newton Falls, Ohio, that has a reputation of sending, calling up, raising up, and calling people to ministry. And there are more than 50 of us who went out into pastoral ministry, missionaries of the church, uh, educators, uh, president of the missionary board, uh, national team. All of these come from one single congregation that nurtured us in our early lives and sent us out. So congregations have a reputation. They're known for something. And so each one of us then has this, this next truth that we have to ask ourselves is what do we want to be known for as a church? Um, I would say that the biggest lesson that I've learned in pastoral ministry in working with congregations is this admonition. I'm going to put it on the screen. Don't let the rearview mirror get bigger than the windshield. I wish that that was original with me because that's a great phrase. But I called a pastor on the West Coast who was serving in a noted congregation in the Pacific Northwest, this very large congregation that had a legendary pastor who traveled all over the country preaching and teaching, very well known. And so I asked this, minute, this fellow, who is somebody that I went to college with, called him up and I said, hey, how's it going? I said, I just kind of checking up on you. And he said, well, to tell you the truth, Bob, in this congregation, the rearview mirror is bigger than the windshield. That's where I picked up that phrase. He says, it's really hard to lead people forward when they're looking at how great it used to be. So it caused me to start thinking about this. And I was, I was preaching uh, this at this concept at the Salem Church, which was founded in 1895. I was the pastor at Salem for six years. A church that was founded in 1895. Uh, first church in St. Joe was founded in 1909. So uh, some of these churches have a pretty big rearview mirror. But how do you keep the windshield bigger than the rearview mirror? So I thought about this. What would it be like if uh, some people from, were time travelers and they came to visit Meadow Park from the 1970s? Now, you'd recognize them as soon as they walked in because they're dressed like Mike and Carol Brady of the Brady Bunch, you know, the plaid bell-bottom pants and the funny hairdos and jewelry and all of that that was popular in the 70s. And as they experienced Meadow Park today, what do you think their response would be? I imagine that there'd be some weeping for two different reasons. Some, let's say there was a group of them, you know, 
half a dozen people, time travelers, they came to visit. Some would be weeping nostalgically, saying, it's just not the same as I remember it. And then others would be weeping tears of joy. Look what God has done. Which part of the legacy do you choose today? Looking to the past, which our scripture text says in Isaiah 43, don't dwell on the past. Acknowledge the past. Know that it created for us an identity of who we are, but it doesn't control us. It's a frame of reference. See, I am doing a new thing, the Lord says. And that's who we want to be. So there's a third truth. And this is when I bring together the truth number one and truth number two and converge them together into a third truth. Together, together we choose the legacy of our church. That's today's language. Together we choose the legacy of our church. What do we want to be known for? Well, Every action, every attitude, every abandonment of every individual member contributes to the whole picture. To the whole picture. You know, if, if there's a person in your family, and we, we used to deal with this, uh, it changed over the years, but in my wife's family, we would have family Christmas, and there was one person, an in-law, who obviously didn't care to be there, would be off in the corner reading a book. <laughs> and and it, it, that, just that unspoken attitude kind of put a, a wet blanket over the whole Christmas celebration. Thankfully, that changed over the years, and we don't have to talk about that anymore. But you, what you recognize is that in every situation, there are opportunities for you to build the legacy. So let me give you a formula that helps you. When you understand that consistent, positive actions over a long period of time creates amazing results. We all want the quick fix. We all want the instant change. We live in this microwave world of ours where, I don't know about you, but I can cook my oatmeal in 90 seconds. But you know, the, the best soup has been sitting on the burner simmering for a long time. You know what I'm saying? And consistent actions over a long period of time will create amazing Results, So that means you show up, to quote the great theologian Woody Allen, <laughs> so much of life is just showing up. And if we could just realize that showing up, being a positive presence, builds the legacy of a church, the cumulative effect of what we do together creates our reputation and it 
It's our reputation in the community. It's our reputation in the larger church. But most important, it's our reputation before God. The people of Israel had a reputation with God. You see, they ended up in Babylonian captivity because of their attitudes and their actions and their abandonments. And now this second exodus in Isaiah 43 is describing what God will do when he brings them back to their homeland. Keep your eye on the former exodus, God says, but I'm doing a new thing. I'm leading you home in a new way. And that's what God wants to say to us. So let's take a look at Psalm 145 um, once again that reminds us that each generation will tell of God's faithfulness. I want to leave you with just a couple of stories of what I, what I mean when I say legacy is important. So back in the 1980s, the Salem Church in Dayton went through some very, very difficult times. They had just moved out onto a 65-acre campus. Their pastor left in a, in a scandalous way, and uh, a congregation that had been 2,000 in attendance was now a fraction of that, and they have a big mortgage. They have all of these expenses, and these members of the church who had been there for a long time were telling me their story. They're saying, we, we sometimes were afraid that when we would arrive that the doors would have been chained by the sheriff department because we were unable to pay the mortgage. So, again, this happened decades before I arrived. But do you know what they told me? They said, so some members of our church, they got together these were people who had already paid off their homes and they remortgaged their homes and they gave the money to the church and said, we believe God has a plan for our church. And that legacy lives on from generation to generation. And so when we got to the place at Salem, when uh, I was the pastor there, and the parking lot was full of potholes, and uh, the roof was leaking in places where you could see stains running down on the interior walls, and windows were rotted out from their frames. Uh, I brought forth this, this sermon in a sentence again that says, we have been the recipients of God's faithfulness throughout the generations. And now it's time to join the Lord in fulfilling what he has for us next. Sometimes I feel as a pastor almost unworthy to stand in front of some people whose devotion to Christ I feel dwarfs mine. Such was the case of an older man in the congregation at St. Joe. The church had been growing so much, and we, we had to add on a major wing to the facility that was, uh, it was a, in total, almost a $5 million project. And this fellow who had immigrated right after the war, World War II, his name was Helmut, he came to me and he said, I really want to give to this, but you know, I have nothing really 
He had had some financial reversals. He just had his Social Security. He lived in his daughter's uh, basement in a little studio apartment. And uh, he said, I, I have so little. And I thought he was going to say, I just can't give. And so, Pastor, I'm just asking you to give me a pass. But then his face brightened, and he got a big smile, and he said, but I was praying and thinking, and God gave me an idea. He said, you know, my daughter has Wi-Fi upstairs, and she has cable TV upstairs, too. And if I have a little antenna, I can get enough channels to watch the news in my apartment, so I'm going to cut the cable and cut the Wi-Fi, and if I need it, I can just go upstairs. But he added it all together, and it came up to you know, over $1,000 a year that he could commit to this campaign. And he, with tears in his eyes, he said, I'm so excited because I didn't think that I could do anything, he said. And God showed me the way. So today, as you guys think about your legacy and the faithful generations that have gone before you here at Meadow Park, I want to encourage you. There have been people who have sacrificed greatly for what exists here on this Bethel campus, sacrificed greatly for the vision of the past. And now they have gone on past the top of the escalator, and we stand looking over our shoulder at the generations that come behind us, and we say, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we are encouraged by your history in the word that says you always have a people and you're always leading your people and you're always calling your people, oh Lord, help us each to hear the specific call you have for each one of us. I thank you for the pastoral ministry of this church. I thank you for the faithful volunteers. I thank you for the legacy. I thank you for the determination to look to a great future. I ask your blessing upon the Meadow Park Church in a supernatural way that in the days coming forward, we can simply say, God has been faithful to us and we in turn are faithful to him. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.